In keeping with the uh, tradition here, we got some books to give away. So y'all got your uh, got your helmets on so you don't get hit in the head. Get your game face on here. Uh, no, um, so sometimes I just chuck books randomly. So watch out if you're new. Um, so we like to give away books, just kind of set culture, recommend authors, um, just some resources we really commend. Um, and it keeps us on our toes. So this is uh, You Can Change by Tim Chester, really good book, just about how to grow in your relationship with the Lord and do battle against sin and, uh, and to grow in, in your relationship there. So uh, can I give this to anyone here? Anybody want this one? Well, we saw a hand here, Autumn. I need a runner because I'm not going to chuck this book. See, see uh, Liz with her hand back there behind Carrie? Go, go, go. Um, that's my daughter, Autumn. Give it up for her. Yeah. Anybody in the front row is like fair game for being a runner. TJ, you ready? All right. All right, TJ, let's, uh, let's, let's get you ready here, bud. So this is a gospel primer, and this is by Milton Vincent. It's an awesome book that just deals with growth in what it means to be a Christian. Um, just the essence of the gospel. So who wants this one? Let's go back here. We see the hand there. Go, go, TJ. Go, 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 go. All right, so free books today. It's good, it's good. You have, to, you have to promise to read it if you get it. And if you don't want to read it, just give it to someone else. That's cool, no big deal. All right. Uh, we are in week three of our vision series. We do this every year where we walk through kind of the DNA of who we are as a church, okay? And so two weeks ago, we talked about the gospel. What's the essence of this news that people believe about something that's happened in reference to Jesus throughout history and what's that got to do with me 2,000 years later? So we've, we broke all that down, and, and that was the kind of what we orbit around as a church. And all of what we believe flows out of what God has done in the gospel. Um, and then that creates a new community. And so last week we talked about how it's really vitally important that if we're going to be a family, we're going to have to be selfless and not selfish. And the Bible says that we are to call to do nothing from selfish ambition— or conceit, but in humility, consider others better, better than ourselves. And so we talked about last week how a, a true family-like community with the gospel at the center is going to be just overflowing with that kind of attitude, humble attitudes. And what, does then, what, what then is created? What's created is unity, unity that you can't break. And so that's what we're shooting for. And then today we're talking about mission. We're talking about mission. What does it mean to be a community that has something to say and is a way to live in light of that? So the two words we talk about a lot are declaration and demonstration. Our, our church vision is this. The Vine Church desires to be a spirit-filled family that seeks to make disciples and plant churches among neighbors and nations. How? Through declaration of the gospel and demonstration that we believe that gospel through the way we live, okay? So today, I want to basically just confess that there's one goal that we have today, and that's this. I want you to stand in awe of who God is in Jesus. I want you to stand in awe of who God is in Jesus. And our fundamental conviction is this, that we're going to speak about what we're passionate about, Right? This is just kind of baseline human nature. This is how we operate as human beings. I'll just talk about myself. So 
Uh, we speak about what we're passionate about. So that looks like a number of things in my life. It could be sports. And I love basketball. And I love NBA Finals. And did you see the most amazing Game 7 series in a long time in NBA history just a few months ago? I'm t- I was talking about it nonstop, right? Because I'm passionate about it. It was amazing. We, um, my wife and I have been turned on in the last uh, seven years or so to like different ways of eating. And up until about uh, probably six or seven years ago, I didn't really fully grasp the idea that the things that you consume have a direct correlation to how you feel. I know that's a bit of a shocker that I didn't pick that up, but I didn't. Okay. And so all of a sudden, yeah, if you don't eat garbage, you're going to feel better. It's like, whoa, light bulb. And so we started changing the way we eat. And it was, man, I was, I was like this revelation, like I'd been enlightened or something. And I was talking about it all the time. Like, man, we're just like cutting this out, cutting this out. Man, I feel great. I don't really care about losing weight, but man, I just, I just feel good. I'm not sluggish. Talking about it all the time. We talk about what we're passionate about. It, it, can, it can happen in like budgeting. My wife and I have also found this new budgeting software that is just amazing. And and it helps keep us on the same page. We always know how much money we have. We're not overspending. We're saving more. It just facilitates all this great stuff with budgeting. So just sitting around the fire in, uh, in our backyard uh, with some neighbors the other day. I was like, so what do you guys do for budgeting? Oh, cool, yeah, this is what we do. It's really, really helpful. It's just like I'm talking about it because I'm passionate about it. And you can think of many examples from your own life of how you do that, right? This is just human nature. We talk about what we're passionate about. Well, that being said, here's our vision from the Bible about what mission is all about, and it connects in this way. Mission is all about declaring the truth of who Jesus is to a world that does not know yet his greatness. And and that declaration implies that we're going to live in a certain way in light of that, and that's called demonstration. Okay, you with me? But today, I, I want to I focus on the declaration side, the things that we say a little more than the demonstration side. I, I think for most of us in the world that we live in, and I could be wrong, but I would guess this is the case for most of us, it's a little easier, maybe it's not easier, I would just say maybe it's, in some ways it's not quite as, um, doesn't maybe demand as much courage, to simply just love people with actions, Okay, because why, why is that easier in some sense? Because most people will just take it. There's not much resistance. If you're going to like be selfless and lay down your life and put others' interests ahead of your own, most people are like, that's cool, bring it on, right? Like we, we all love to be served. And so God calls all of us to live that way in light of how he treats us. So most people will take it, you know what I mean? But most people that don't know yet Jesus, don't, most people that don't yet love him, might not feel the same way when you tell them the truth that Jesus is Lord and, and Jesus reigns and, and we're not relativistic in how we understand truth. Like there is a capital T truth and he actually walked our ground in space, time, and history 2,000 years ago. His name is Jesus and he's very different than lots of other people that have claimed to know the truth. And those claims are exclusive. And we're just repeating what he said. We didn't make it up. We, it's just what he said. But that's a little harder to stomach sometimes for some people. And we know that, and so that creates some tension in our hearts.
So I think we can all grow in the declaration side when it comes to mission, speaking about Jesus and the truth of who he is, having something to say about God and the boldness to say it, having the wisdom and the right timing and the right tone with the content of what we say, having the right words that that cut to the heart of the matter when we're sharing about Jesus with someone. And, And let me just shoot straight for a second. Like, I know that for many of us, we want to wait until it's all perfect and we're like not going to screw it up and we're all nervous. And man, it's never going to be perfect. It's never going to be perfect. And, and I think we just simply have to be people who are, if you're a Christian here today, uh, be people that are committed to declaring the truth of our faith to those who might not agree. And, and then sometimes we just have to kind of figure it out as we go. And that's okay. And that's very normal. Like we can't wait until we feel equipped Because in one sense, being fully equipped, that just simply doesn't exist. You with me? But here's, in another sense, if you love Jesus and you simply know what has happened, just the basics of what has happened in his life, in his death, in his resurrection, you're equipped. You're fully equipped to to tell the truth and how you've experienced that. So so today I I want to break this down real simple. And my conviction, like I already said, is that we're going to speak about what we're passionate about. We're going to speak about what we're passionate about. There's just no other choice. Most of us just operate that way. So then the question becomes this. How do we cultivate passion for Jesus? How do we cultivate passion for Jesus? Here's my conviction. If you love Jesus, passion for him flows from being with him. And I think we're going to demonstrate that biblically today. Let me say it again. If you love Jesus, passion for him flows from being with him. If you love Jesus, passion for him flows from being with him. Now, notice I said those four words right at the beginning of that statement. If you love Jesus. That's very important. Because this isn't true without those four words. Why? Because there's a lot of people who spent time with Jesus who didn't love him. They hated him. Okay? So just being in Jesus' presence or being exposed to Jesus, hanging out with Jesus, doesn't mean that you're going to be passionate about him. The Pharisees hated him. They spent time with him. Lots of other people just viewed him as a means to an end. They didn't love him. They weren't passionate about him. They left him when he said hard things to them. But if you love Jesus, passion for him will increase as you spend time with him. Okay, now let's look at this biblically. If you have a Bible, um, turn to Acts chapter 4. If you're not familiar with your Bible, that's totally cool. Don't be afraid to look at the table of contents uh, in the front of your Bible. Uh, If you have a smartphone, you can fire it up that way. Or you could just simply Google search. This is what I do often. I just type into Google Acts chapter 4, and then you'll get a link right there. So um, don't be afraid to do it that way. It'll also be on the screen. Acts is the fifth book in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. And we're going to be in chapter 4. Okay? Now let's, let's read here from verse 1. In terms of, if you love Jesus, passion for him flows from being with him. And we're going to speak about what we're passionate about as we go on mission. Verse 4, I'm sorry, chapter 4, verse 1. And, they, and as they were speaking to the people... The priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, 
greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. All right, so let's, let's talk about what's going on here. What's the context? The context is, is Jesus has risen from the dead, and he's ascended into heaven. Before he did that, he turned to his followers, and he said, here's the deal. I'm, I'm going to give you a mandate. I'm going to fill you with my spirit. So even though I'm not here physically, I'm going to be with you in spirit. Our existence isn't all about physical things. We're not materialists. But, but there's spiritual exists as well. The Bible just assumes that. So he says, I'm going to leave physically, but I'm going to be with you in spirit. And in light of that, I'm going to empower you to do something. What's that? I'm going to empower you to have something to say about me. I want you to declare the truth to the whole world about me. And it's going to start with you. Okay? And it's going to radiate out. This whole message of declaration is going to start with you and radiate out. What you've seen, it's going to have content. What you've seen of my life and my death and my resurrection. And, and so here we are in the book of Acts, and that has taken place, okay? And a couple of Jesus' first followers, Peter and John, that's the they in verse 1. That's who we're talking about. And as they, Peter and John, see that in verse 1? Uh, we're speaking to the people. So Peter and John are speaking to the people. Why are they speaking to the people? Well, because... In chapter 3, we read about how they healed this guy. This guy was lame and he couldn't walk. And they just came up to him and they said, in the name of Jesus, walk. And he did. And so everyone's kind of freaking out and amazed. And so they're explaining the fact that the reason why this happened was not because they're like super Christians or something. The reason why this happened is because they're filled with the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus. and, And it's his power flowing through them to see this guy healed. So they bring the the spotlight on Jesus. They bring all the attention on Jesus. It's Jesus and faith in him that saves and restores. Well, there's certain people that don't like Jesus. And they've got a lot to lose if this message about Jesus keeps moving outward like Jesus commanded it to happen through his first followers. And that's where we pick off here. uh, Pick up off. I can't talk today. Um, Here's where we pick up now in verse 5, all right? Verse 5. And the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in, in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, hear that again, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which you must be saved. 
So did you notice the content of what Peter's saying? He just stands up and shares the gospel, right? Jesus crucified, raised again, okay? He declares the truth about Jesus. Now, that, that, that truth invites a reaction, and we know that. Most people aren't going to just be simply, well, it's true sometimes, but in general, people really understand it. They're not going to be just apathetic about it. They might seem apathetic, but deep down, they're going to have some emotions about that. Okay? And these guys have strong emotions. Listen to what they say and listen to what they observe about Peter and John. Verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. And, and notice what else that they recognize. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. So they say here that these guys are just normal guys. These guys are not Christian superheroes. They're just normal dudes, and everyone can see that that is clear. But there's something very unique. And what is it, what is it that they say? They say, Man, these guys have been with Jesus. These guys knew Jesus. They, they'd spent time with Jesus. They loved Jesus. And, and that had an impact on them. What was that impact? Well, the verse says it was boldness. They saw, it was evidence that these guys had boldness. So it sounds like there's a connection there between being with Jesus and that leading to boldness. They'd been with Jesus before he died. They saw his death They saw his resurrection. They saw themselves being filled with the Holy Spirit and changed after Jesus left the earth physically. And what did that produce? Boldness. They had been with Jesus. Jesus was with them. They spent time with him. And it's not just random boldness, is it? We see that in the context. Boldness about something. It's not just boldness about life in general. It's boldness about Jesus. They're talking about Jesus. And keep in mind, who's the audience? The audience that they're bold with about Jesus is not just some random audience either. It's people that had just killed Jesus in one of the most horrific ways that human beings have ever contrived. Death by slow suffocation and just mind-numbing pain that is crucifixion. They saw that happen to Jesus, and these are the same people, Caiaphas, was the ringleader. And that's who's named here in this text. And so they know the stakes are really high. Their boldness is high stakes boldness, right? But the stakes of not sharing the truth of Jesus might have been even higher. You with me? So let's see what happens next. Verse 14. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For for that a noble sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people... Let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you 
rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. So they, they gather them up. Guys, you got to shut up about this Jesus stuff. We're not having it. Stop declaring about Jesus. This resurrection stuff, it's nonsense. Stop. And the response, look at it again, verse 20, 19 and 20. Whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have, what? Seen and heard. Based on what we have seen and heard. What, what is that referring to? It just refers to Jesus. They'd spent time with Jesus. They'd seen and heard all this stuff about Jesus. They hung out with him for three years, and they saw, heard him teach in ways that were more powerful than anyone had ever seen. And they'd seen him do prophecies and, and, have, and have prophecies come true in his life. And they'd seen him crucified, and they'd seen him raised from the dead. They couldn't help but speak about these truths They couldn't possibly shut up about what they're passionate about. And they were passionately bold about Jesus because of the fact that they'd been with Jesus. So I want want you to just see something with crystal clarity this morning. Our boldness in mission, our boldness to declare that which we believe to, to a needy world that needs to feel the freedom and satisfaction of living water. Our boldness in, in mission to declare this is predicated on one simple thing, and it's the same thing that fueled those first disciples. It's this. For those that love Jesus, being with Jesus leads to speaking of Jesus. For those that love Jesus, being with Jesus leads to declaration about Jesus. For those that love Jesus, being with Jesus has to lead to bold passion for Jesus. Now, I get that this is the moment in the sermon when many of you start to just, like, descend into guilt. Okay? I get that. Because a lot of you are thinking, man, I think I love Jesus. But if I'm honest, I don't see a lot of boldness, especially boldness like this in my life. Many opportunities to be intentional with my neighbors or coworkers, and I just chickened out. I've been there. I've been there. But let me remind you of the gospel today, okay? Can I do that? Your status as a child of God is not predicated on your obedience in mission. It's not given, your status as a child of God is not given to you based on your performance in evangelism. Your status as a child of God is given to you as a result of trusting and treasuring the news that Jesus came into this world to save failures in evangelism. Jesus came into this world to save sinners that are weak and broken and needy, and he died on a cross and rose again from the dead so that you can be forgiven of your sin, be forgiven of your failures, and live new lives unto God. That's the gospel, all right? So listen, there's no room in this room 
for guilt. You with me? There's no room in this room for guilt. If you're Christian, guilty will never be a pronouncement placed upon you. The guilt has been paid for. The guilt has been paid for at the cross. Jesus bore our guilt in our place as our perfect substitute, where he bore the wrath of God that we deserve for our sin and our obstinacy and our disobedience and our attempts to try to be God and assault him and his authority and, 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 and drink from the sewer that is sin instead of drinking from the living water. That's why Jesus came and he died. And, and the guilt for all of that was placed on Jesus in our place. That guilt has been paid for for those who trust and treasure Jesus. So, so not guilt, but, but what? Well, maybe there's room, not maybe, for sure there's room for repentance. God does not want you wallowing in guilt or shame. That's been dealt with if you trust and treasure Jesus. But there's always room for repentance. And a real simple prayer that, that I know God loves because it's biblical is just to say, God, I believe, help my unbelief. God, I believe in you. But man, I know that's mingled with unbelief. Would you help my unbelief, God? I'm needy. Would you help me? Just something real simple. Like that prayer of repentance, of acknowledging that you need help and you've, and you've blown it a lot of times. And he loves that prayer. God loves that prayer. So never guilt, maybe repentance, yeah. We live lifestyles of repentance. That changes us over time. So usually what I do in a sermon like this, oftentimes, is, is to move to tactics. Like how do we stir up boldness for Jesus and passion for Jesus? And how do we engage our friends that don't know Jesus and, and really think through how to engage well. And, and those are good sermons, and we'll preach those. We have preached those, and we'll preach those in the future. But this morning, I want to do something different. I want to approach this a little differently. Because, because we believe that for those who love Jesus, being with Jesus will lead to passionate and bold declaration of Jesus, I just want to simply put this in practice today, together, in, in real time. I want, I want to just help us simply be with Jesus. I want to help us stir up a love for Jesus that leads to sharing about Jesus. I want to, I want to simply remind you of who Jesus is today. I want, let me say it better, I want to have Jesus and his word remind us of who he is today. I want that to stir up in us a fresh awe for Jesus. I want us to just simply be with Jesus Knowing that as we're with him and we understand who he is as we're with him, that's going to spill over to neighbors. That's going to spill over to across the street. And it's going to spill over to across the ocean and the nations. So, so here's what we're going to do. Um, I'm just going to simply read various passages because we commune with Jesus through his word. It's a revelation of God. For us to know God and to be with God, we do that in his word today. So we commune with him today as we enter into what he is for us, for all time. And so let me just say this. Maybe you could just close your eyes and, and, and meditate on who this Jesus is with me as we consider him in his word. And, and I know it'll be easy to have your mind wander. Um, so I just want to challenge you to fight to stay engaged with who Jesus is, who he says that he is in, in his word. 
And we're, we're going to spend some time with him in his word. So maybe we can just close our eyes and, and engage and listen. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man standing on the right side, dressed in a white robe. And they were alarmed. And he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. Though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, by being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him 
and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together And he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That is, in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Then I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. The one sitting on it is called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written on him that no one knows but himself. He's clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on a white horse. From his mouth came a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I want us to spend some time um, praying now. And I want us to do this a little differently. I want us to do this out loud. And I want us to do this as you feel led, maybe just one at a time. Maybe you want to rejoice in who Jesus is. Maybe you want to pray um, that God would stir up your affections for him, that it would lead to boldness. Maybe you want to pray and ask for your friends that don't know him yet to come to him. Maybe you just want to simply rejoice in who he is and what he's done. Maybe you just want to say, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. But I want us to just spend a little time praying as a family this morning. It doesn't have to be weird. Um, so, So right where you're seated, Um, If you feel led, um, maybe just one at a time, just lift up your voice in prayer in light of who we've perceived Jesus to be, who we've heard as we've communed with Jesus in his word. Let's just respond to that now.
presence through your word and through your spirit alive and those that that know you and trust you and lord we pray that you would help us uh, we believe help our unbelief lord we we pray that we would just simply have a desire to be with you and so may that look like um your presence uh in your word your presence as as we pray to you um being with you in the church as we love one another we know that you are present um, when we love one another like you lo have loved us. Um, so would you help us, Lord? Um, may we truly be a church that is on your mission that you've given us to make disciples and plant churches. And um, Lord, we just ask that that would continue. We ask that you would fuel us 
um, through your word and your spirits uh, to know you, trust you, and treasure you so that it just overflows naturally um, in a diversity of ways based on a diversity of giftings in this room. Um, we ask for your help, and we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. How, how could we not help but speak about what we've seen and heard? Amen. Amen.